I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. Tracy Cunningham's clients are among the most sought-after women of the stage and screen. From J-Lo to Drew Barrymore, Charlize Theron to Emma Stone, Jennifer Garner to Jessica Biel, just to name a few, trust me, there's about 200 more. The inimitable colorist treats her clients like family who have been guided and styled by her for many years. Tracy Cunningham has been at the forefront of the competitive hair arena for over two decades, nurturing and perfecting her talent at some of the most prestigious salons in Los Angeles until she opened her own salon, Mesh, in 2012. Cunningham's work has graced the covers of magazines such as Mary Claire, W, InStyle, and Allure. Currently, Cunningham lends her distinguished skills as a Redken creative consultant for color and serves as ambassador for the revolutionary hair product, Olaplex. She travels the country with her educational forums and is delighted to share her experiences. Trust me, she will give away all of her information. Most recently, she has authored the book True Color, available on May 4th. When we last spoke, Tracy was on location in the Dominican Republic with J-Lo. Tracy, welcome in my chair. Hi, Quinn. Hi. Good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. Um, So tell me, what were you doing in the Dominican Republic, if you can share, with J-Lo? Well, Jennifer is filming a movie there, and we knew she would need a touch-up, and I was scared. My whole family was scared. Nobody wanted me traveling, but I felt like I needed to do it. And Uh I did. I bought, you know, I bought this big bubble helmet with HEPA filter inside to travel for me and my assistant. And I just kept, every time I'd hear somebody say they were going somewhere, I'd say, oh, um, what did what did you what did you do to protect yourself? And I just we went over everything. Did you get did you get COVID? No, I didn't get COVID. Did you eat? No, I didn't eat on the plane. Did you you know, some people said they did, some people said it's just so confusing. It is. So it made me feel better that so many people are traveling and that the airlines are taking such good care of people and they have installed new filters, air filters, HEPA filters inside the planes, which we never had before. I always thought when you were flying anyway, it was like a Petri dish for, you know, bacteria and germs. Right, right. I mean, in the beginning of COVID, one of my cousins is an airline um, flight attendant, and they told her that she wasn't allowed to wear a mask. Really? Yes, because they didn't want to scare the customers. It was the beginning of COVID. So when we were all trapped in our houses for 75 days, my cousin was flying without a mask. That's ridiculous. But you know what? She never got it. Uh, That's the weird thing about COVID too, is that some people get it so badly and then other people get it and nothing happens to them. I know. know, But now we're wearing masks. But honestly, like nobody really knew. You know, yeah. nobody, nobody knew. No We're one all knew. learning as we go. It's unprecedented. Right. All of our governors are struggling. They didn't know what to do. It was just, you know. Never so let me ask you, when you go, because I know you you do, I remember you going to Spain to meet Shakira or like the Hamptons to meet Gwyneth Paltrow. When you go on a trip like this, do you get to stay and lay out for a minute or are you in and out? You know what? It's completely up to you or it's completely up to me. If i if I look at my schedule and if I have a minute, I'll stay an extra day. You've never had because, a minute in your schedule. Well, in a your lot life. of the times I don't, <laughs> but I love to have a few days in Europe when okay. I go there. I don't want to, I hate being so in and out. And also, I I always have things to do with Olaplex over there. I can always find something to do to go meet with one of the distributors and, you know. And when you're going to meet with a celebrity abroad, like how long are you actually like working? Um, it's just to color their hair. Yeah. So some people don't even know how how long would that take? Okay, like so, three hours? No, like I would I would say just take half a day. Okay. If it's a major thing, it could it's a whole day. And if if someone like JLo is doing a film and there's continuity, is that kind of um a hard task to make sure that you did it exactly. JLo's house calls are my favorite house calls. Okay. So easy. She is so like businesslike and professional and 
you know, as soon as I get there, she sees me. You don't have to wait around forever. No. I mean, there are times where they'll call me and say, she's just coming from the studio or she's rehearsing. And because I've known Jennifer for, I don't know, like 15 years or more, I know that she's such a perfectionist that I might be waiting then. Right. That's out of her control. And I I laugh at, and I just say, just tell me when she's on her way because- um, cause she's such a perfectionist. She, she just can't stop. And you see it with her performances. She's just right. amazing. I'm sure that she is one of the hardest working people and that's why she's had a career as long as she has. Yes. All of those just, people are, who are at the top like that. Yes. But there's so many people that, you know, we dry the hair and they're like, well, what about this piece? What about that piece? Jennifer, she just, she likes to hop in the shower and wash her own hair and, she just towel dries her hair and looks at it and says, thanks, baby. I love a woman who can dry and wash her own hair, you know? Well, she's so beautiful and so <laughs> yeah. comfortable in her own skin and just so kind that, I don't know, she's just so wonderful. So when you go to the DR to do her for a touch-up, are you looking at, like, do you have to exactly put the highlight? Like, is that a thing? Like, it's for continuity on the film? Yes. So what I do is I I try to pick, I try to pick up the same exact pieces that I picked up before mm-hmm. because you don't want to change it. So what I do is I, I put her highlights on, and as I'm going around – I keep checking like the front ones to make sure, you know, and, and as soon as I pull them, I, I have Olaplex water, Olaplex number one. Um, and I just brush it on. So as soon as I like the color, I pull them as I'm, as I'm highlighting her, I pull the color because you don't want them to get white because she doesn't have white highlights. So I just, I put Olaplex number one, I brush Olaplex number one on it and it just, you know, strengthens it and stops the processing. So it's, it's absolutely perfect. And her hair always looks rocking. Do you ever go, Oh my God, shit. I, I, I was distracted or something happened and it's on too long. And then what do you do? Um, well with Jennifer, we, we do not do that because (laughs) I've traveled all over the world to be there. I'm looking at it. Right. I mean, you're, you're just focused on one person, you know, and I've got my assistants and I have me and we're both, we're both looking, we're both looking. Okay. What, um, can you share some of the like craziest or farthest places that you've gone to do like touch up or hair color? Um, the Middle East. Uh Uh-huh. The Middle East. You had a client, do you have clients in the Middle East or it was one of your clients from LA who was there? You know, I was just somebody off, you know, somebody offered, would you like to come to the Middle East? And I always wanted to go. So I made a vacation out of it. Oh. Yeah. I love going to the Middle East. How it's often do you favorite, go? I, it's one of my favorite places. I mean, now I don't go at all, but I just love going. It's, I love, I love all of Asia. It's so awesome. And every place is so different. Um, it's so cool that, that like your work takes you all over the world, but do you still enjoy that kind of travel for work? Uh, Well, I enjoyed going to the Dominic Republic so much. I just loved, you know, looking around and I, I, it's so fun. It's, it's, it's really fun to do. But Tracy, so you have a son and I read that you kind of figured out after you had him that you needed something a little bit more, concrete. You needed to be able to stay in LA and be there for him. So you actually made a decision to travel less. Is that right? First of all, I had a baby when I was an assistant. So that was not easy. So when, whenever my assistants complain, I'm like, you guys, honestly, like I did your job with a baby. Right. It's not easy ever, you know, and my, my hours as an assistant was even longer than what I do now. I don't believe that. It's crazy. Like right now, right now. I mean, you know me, I used to do 30. What did you sleep at the shampoo sink? <laughs> so you did 34 heads a day. 
30 to 40, the most I've ever done in a day is 50. And that's when people were squeezing in for bases. Can I please just come in for a base? They'll call me and say, can I please just come in for a base? And then once they're in, they'll be like, can you also do a little face frame? And you don't say no. I don't know how to say no. Isn't that funny? So to this day, like if someone asks you for something like that, you'll be like, yeah, I'll work it out. Well, now I'm only doing like five, six, seven people. Well, I'm saying in a, in a, in a pre-pandemic world. Yeah. In a pre-pandemic world, I didn't know how to say no, unless it was just physically not possible. And my assistants will say, Tracy, it's not possible. What is that about? I'm going to go back to that lifestyle. I, you know, I, I mean, listen, I feel like I'm halfway retired. Really? Well, because it feels like it because I'm only doing so many people. It's right. so weird. But Tracy, so, it's not by choice. It's because of the situation. Oh, it's because we're of COVID. In. It's because right. of COVID. But I'm working the same amount of hours, but doing less people. And you don't like that. No, I don't. And you actually, I mean, I'm just going to say this. You could retire. Yeah, I could. But, you know, when you like what you do, you don't retire. You know? I want to just let people know that if you've ever been to I would go see Tracy with Bryce. I've known Tracy for like God at least a decade. Um and when we're in LA, if you want to see Tracy, you have to come to her because she's always working. I there I don't think there's anyone in our industry who works harder than you do. And there are people who work to the bone. Um you go into the salon and it's like Tracy is the Tasmanian devil. She's got how many clients in a chair at one time? Well it's so funny because people will say, oh, she does like five people at a time. I don't. I do one person at a time. When okay. I'm done with you, I walk over to the next chair and I do that person. And when I'm done with that person, I walk over to the next chair. And I have five assistants that would go around and and keep their eyes on the client. Right. And when it was time for me to do something different, or if they need my eyes, they'll say, Tracy, let's look. Or I will just go over and just, you know, look at the client. So, I mean, it was a very well-oiled machine. It's funny because I was there once and you're like, Quinn, can you just hold these foils? Right. And I'm watching, <laughs> it's like watching someone who is just a master of their craft. Your hands are moving so quickly. I'm like, how do you do this? My feet hurt just watching you work all day. And it's also inspiring. I, I think... I just am like, how does she do that every single day? I'm such a whiny bitch. I, I mean, well, and also like, I'm not for everyone. I, like some people, I'm not for them because they need more hand holding. They need more conversation. Like I love all of that, but I'm also trying to get everybody in and I'm trying to do everybody a solid by getting them in. So um, I also love getting people's color together and then they go and see one of my old assistants, which is so awesome to me. Right. They you're not, you're not holding on to everyone like they're yours. No, no, yeah. no. I always tell my assistants, there are no clients that are yours unless until they, until they book in with you again. Like you have to be so grateful to have each and every one of these clients because they're only your client while they're sitting in your chair. But what if you had a client who you've done since they were a teenager or for 20 years, and then all right. of a sudden you don't hear from them again? Do you take that personally? I mean, that honestly really, truly doesn't happen that often. So mm-hmm. I don't take it that I, – I don't because I don't even see the same people all the time, you know, for like a massage or a pedicure. I just kind of go to whoever is available. Okay. But I I find that they often try to come back. Mm-hmm. And how do you that. receive them after that? I, I'm fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't have any. And oftentimes, you know, do you want to hear something funny? Yeah. They'll say, oh, I had to get my hair done in New York. And I'll be like, I didn't even, I, I, I wouldn't have known. Except when I get into your hair, you know, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I wouldn't even have known because I'm so busy. You just wait till I get into your hair. I'm going to know exactly what you've been up to, like a forensic specialist. Yes. And I just, yeah, there people don't, nobody belongs to anyone 
a lot of the times, like when my clients have to see other people, it's because I was out of town. Okay. A lot of it's because I was out of town. And the other thing that you do, and you do it online, but I've seen you do it for your clients, is you share your formulas. Or the, of course. But that's what people come to you for, is that you have just that t- that eye that gets that right shade or ash blonde or whatever. I mean, is it a smart business move to then just give it away? Yes. It's very smart because I want people to know what I'm using. I want people to know um, how to do good color. Like say you're, you're at a, say you're in a state where people don't go and assist and learn the craft the way we do. Right. I mean, there are people in California that don't do that. Right. Most people don't. They're looking for online education. Right. But why do you care? Why, why would I do? Well, also, you know, I'll tell you something. I called Jen Atkin and I said, Hey, do you want to come to Dubai with me? And she was so excited. I said, I need a girl to cut hair. She was so excited. And she said, let's go to dinner. So we go to dinner and, um, she says, okay, I need you to do a better Instagram. And I said, Oh, uh, you know what? I I tried Instagram and I didn't really get it. And she said, okay, well, first of all, your name is Four Cats 4 4. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I was. That's something my mom would choose. Right. I had four cats and I was 44. And I thought, oh, that's so perfect. And I thought Instagram was for people like, you know, that wanted to be photographers. So. You know, I thought it was like an Ansel Adams app. So anyways, Jen Atkin told me that it was for your job. It was for, and I said, Jen, I don't even take new clients. She goes, I don't care. You have to get on Instagram. And I will tell you something. So I started posting. I didn't know what to do. So I started posting my formulas and everyone seemed to like it. And I only had, I only have, I would say hairdresser followers. And maybe some clients or people that that want to see hair color. I don't know. Anyways, so it was it was very successful as far as Redkin and and um, educating people with color and you know how to use Shades EQ and. Were your um, colleagues or other big hair colorists um, annoyed or threatened that you did that? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Remember, well, listen, when, when, when Instagram came about, it was kind of like the wild west, like nobody knew what was happening. Mm -hmm. So, and I felt like I came into it very late in the game, very, very late in the game. And Bryce and I always talk about like everybody who buys followers and we feel like a couple of losers because we don't have very many followers, but I will tell you this, but we have, we have real followers and they really care about us. So, um, so this is funny. So when Dean from Olaplex contacted me and said, hey, I've got this product I really want you to try. And I said, oh, well, I already have a contract. And he just he said, DM'd yeah. you out of the blue? No. He went through our mutual friend, Lana Vigi. Oh, I, and, oh, yeah. And she introduced us. So in the beginning, I was just helping out. I was just so passionate about it. I just loved it. It was just so amazing. With nothing in return, just because you liked it. No, yeah, exactly. You have to understand, Quinn, nothing new happens in hair ever. Right. Like the last thing that had happened was silicones. Uh And John Frieda was a big success with silicones and, you know, frizzies. It was so amazing. And then Moroccan oil came out and put one drop of argan oil in it and said it was argan oil, but it was really you know, this it was like frizzies with a drop of argan oil in it. And, but, but it was clever. Right. It was clever and it was great. And then the next thing that came out was Brazilian blowout. Right. And I remember my friend Christina coming in and saying, oh my God, I'm going back to Brazil and I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to do this new Brazilian blowout. Uh, it has formaldehyde in it. And it was a, it was a, uh, 
a guy that was embalming bodies and he realized that it made the hair so much smoother. So he tried it on his wife. And I mean, and that that was something that was amazing, but carcinogenic. Right. It's and that he- rare, thrilling moment when you embalm bodies and include formaldehyde. Such right. A thrilling but, moment. But it's exciting. It's exciting because nothing new ever happens. But right. I mean, what you shouldn't be messing with carcinogens, you know, in your body if you want to, you know, I mean, I don't even use makeups with, with, with bad stuff in it. But you work with hair color all the time. Isn't, do you ever think about your own? Yes. All the time, all the time. But you know, I'm very careful with hair color. And a lot of the times I'll use ammonia free on my clients and most of it's in foils and, you know, it's, it's all good. But I just, I love being a part of companies that are doing innovative science plus non-carcinogenic. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. Well, yeah. I mean, we're on the, we have a green label at, at Sephora. We, didn't, we never talked about that. Like, wow. It's a green product. I want to go back to your beginning because okay. I think you have a great uh, story. So you, you come from Seattle. You mm-hmm. were raised quite religiously. Mm-hmm. And not really in the whole world of like color or fashion or hairstyling. Um, what was your relationship like with that part of the thing? Was it were you even like allowed to focus on hair and makeup when you were a kid? Oh, absolutely. But I would practice on my mom. Okay. And right. And then when I was in high school, I would do I would I would do kids' hair. I would cut. I was cutting more and was cutting everybody's hair. I loved it. Styling and cutting. And um, it was amazing. Was that like during the grunge time in Seattle? No. During the grunge time, I was down here in LA. I had moved already. You were like, I'm not grunge, grunge, I'm glam. It was so, yeah. And I remember my friend Tanya calling me and saying, oh my God, did you hear about Mike McCready? And I was like, what? And she goes, he's a big rock star now. I was like, what are you talking about? And there the, there's this whole grunge thing with like people that that we knew. It was just so crazy. These did you know, ever do Courtney Love or Kurt Cobain? I have I, uh, Courtney Love. Yes, yeah. I've done. Yeah. How was being raised uh, very religiously? How did that affect uh, your childhood and then you today? Well, okay. So my family is Filipino, and so they're super Catholic. Right. Mm-hmm. And my mom and my mom divorced my dad and became met a guy and became a Jehovah witness. And I mean, I didn't really know any difference cause I was a kid. How old were like you were like 10? Oh no. Like I was a kid. I mean, I was, I don't even remember my own parents together. Okay. I have no memories of it. Okay. So, and then when my mom met this guy, he, we all moved to Georgia. So I was like, I don't know, like two or three when I moved to Georgia. And I lived in, I lived in Smyrna, Georgia. And when I moved back, I had a really like thick accent and (laughs) people still remember it. Um, And yeah, I mean, when you're in one of those religions, you don't know anything is different except for my grandpa saying to me, you know, Tracy, you are Catholic. You did not, you are not the Jehovah Witness. You are Catholic, you know. So he'd always tell me that and always, you know, every chance you get, take me to Mass. And you was know, it an issue my- with your mom converting to being a Jehovah's Witness for your grandparents? Yeah. I think she was prayed for a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. on both sides. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But you know what? It's all good. And I've every single person that I've ever known. I mean, it's, it's weird when you grow up this way, Quinn, mm-hmm. you miss the community. Like you'll never find another community like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't personally, but it, it reminds me of Jen Atkin talking are, about growing up Mormon, right? But like, 
did you grow up Catholic, Quinn Murphy? You know what? My dad is Catholic. My grandparents went to church every day, but my mom is not. And I grew up without anything. I know. I know. Tracy's going to pray for me forever. I remember that time (laughs) Bryce, Bryce and I went to dinner and both of us haven't been baptized and you were just like reeling. You I couldn't like, believe it. I <laughs> honestly still can't believe it. I can't believe I haven't gotten you both baptized. I, yeah, I'm good. But, you know, um, I've been to it's enough. Gonna happen. It's going to happen, Quinn. Okay. Well. Um, I think I baptized you with the water. at the. I think <laughs> you went to yeah. Israel and did something for me. But yeah. I'm all for anybody who wants to pray for me. Go for it. Help me out. You know, right? But how do you make sense? Because like half of the people you know are gay men in the salon world and everything. How do you make sense of being such a staunch supporter of religion, but also knowing that it's not reciprocated? Well, first of all, we're not supposed to judge, right? So who am I who wants no judgment and forgiveness to judge other people and? I think I look at all my gay friends and I think of how special each one of you guys all are. And I just can't help but think that God made you that way. <laughs> so mm-hmm. special. So it, I mean, without gay people, I don't even know what my life would be. Beige. Everything would just be beige and boring. I mean, we say if there's a gay, there's a way. <laughs> Um, this girl who's multi, you know, multi-religious moves to LA to start a career in here. What happened after, after, when you decided to leave Washington? Oh my gosh. I did so many different jobs here because think about it. I moved here on a whim with a car that was breaking down. I just drove down and I first started in La Jolla and I was working at a real estate office. Um, so anyways, I, and then I moved, moved up here and I got a job at PMK. It was a PR firm. And, and then I heard that that where you met Nancy Ryder. No, she's BWR. Right. Right. Um, I met Nancy Ryder at Art Luna, my first job. Okay. And fell in love with her. I have a, I I love bossy Jewish women. It's like, it's like my type. (laughs) (laughs) I love, 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 love. Like I just can't get enough. Um, and sorry. So you got a job at PMK, got a job at PMK and I interviewed, I heard Bette needed a nanny. So Bette Midler. Yes. Bette Midler needed a nanny for Sophie. And I, I interviewed and got the job and I thought, okay, this will be good for me for like a year or so because I just need to figure out what it is I'm going to do. And even though I always did hair, there was not like, not a moment in my life that I didn't know I couldn't do hair. Uh Do you know what I mean? And, but I come from a world, when you live in Seattle, like everyone's going to university. No one's, you know. It's not a career. Right. Right. Education is so important. Cars aren't important. What you're driving is not important. Your education is super important. And also growing up Asian, that's important, you know? And um, And it all changed once you got to Los Angeles. Right. But I couldn't afford school. Okay. It was just not, you know, I moved out of the house so young that I sort of left in high school and I didn't have, you know, no one was paying for anything. I paid for everything myself. So... I come down here, I'm working for Bet, and I used to be obsessed with her hairdresser, Robert Ramos, who's still her hairstylist. And I would go and hang out with, on my weekends, I'd go hang out with, at Estilo with Robert and, and, um, Teddy. I don't know if you remember Teddy Antolin that died, he passed away. And, um, and Chris McMillan and Rennie and I, everybody was there. It was so great. Um, I heard that Bette Midler sent you to culinary school. She did. She did. Because when, when she was doing for the boys, we realized that she'd get off work so late and then we'd all go out to eat every night. 
And I was like, well, why don't I just cook? I used to cook when I was, you know, at home. I mean, I, I can cook. And then I wound That's up going. That's what she said. Well, I thought I could. <laughs> she said you couldn't cook for shit. It's true, but I grew up with vegetarian parents. Okay. So I would have to cook my own meat if I wanted it. So anyways, I didn't know how to cook. Of course I didn't. Um, I knew how to cook a few Filipino dishes, mm. but that was it. So yes, I did go to beauty. I went to cooking school and then she wound up sending me to beauty school when she was planning on moving to New York. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, what do you mean she sent you to beauty school? Okay, well, she said, I think you should go to beauty school because I used to watch Robert do her hair and then I would try to do exactly how Robert did it. And every morning I would do her hair. And um, she said, well, you're really happy doing hair. I think you should do hair. And I wasn't going to say like, oh, well, I don't know how I'm going to go. And she said, Oh, I'll let me just pay for your school. And I was like, no, I feel weird. And she goes, Tracy, pick whatever school you want. I'm sending you. And so she sent me to, I, I chose Marinello. Of course, I went to Estilo, spoke with um, Teddy and Chris McMillan and, and Robert Ramos and had a whole discussion and how everybody said I didn't need to go to a fancy school and just go to Marinello. It was good enough for all of us. So that's what I did. Wow. It was great. So when you actually ended up in a salon, you decided that you were actually had a proclivity for hair color more than cutting. Yes. Yeah. Well, people need color more than they need haircuts. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like You can go a year without a haircut, but you're not going a year without hair color. Right, especially if it's gray, if it's gr- getting gray, right? Right. So I was thinking more supply and demand, but um, I think I I think I I'm better at color than hair cutting. I mean, uh, probably you're so successful at at doing it. Yes, and I don't cut hair except with a few friends. You know, the thing is um, that many people don't know is that what really makes a salon successful or brings in the big bucks is the hair colorist. So I think there was a time when you were going to various salons in LA, you were bringing the buzz and the clientele because people follow their hair colorist to the salon more than they're going to follow their hair stylist. Oh, a hundred percent. But there are some people that would prefer to follow their hair stylist. It's all about the relationship. Quinn, we are in the relationship business. Well, you say that, but also people want really great hair color. That's true. That's true. But I mean, there are a lot of great hair colorists out there. You told me before that the only reason that you're so successful more than anybody else is because you work so hard. And I find that hard to believe. That's what I, that's how I feel. That's what I think. Yeah. You don't think that it's at all because of the eye that you've developed as a colorist? I mean, maybe, but. But it's the work I, ethic first. It's, it's, I'm, I know it's my work ethic. Mm-hmm. I just know it. So Tracy, why at this point in your life, why do you choose to be on your feet for 12 hours a day before COVID and doing 40 heads? Why not just like kick your feet up and drink a margarita by the pool? Well, I do that too. But- <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because I've worked since I was 15 years old and I don't know how to be anybody else. I, and I, I love, I love hairdressers. I love creative people. I love hanging around and I don't know. I don't know. I. Do you get something out of people needing your service, needing you? Probably. How does it feel that everybody in your section in the salon is there for you? I love it. And I love, I mean, I'm working right next door to my, my BFF tile who makes me laugh all day long. <laughs> we, have, we have the funniest people there, like the best funniest people. And everybody's always having a go at each other, like in a funny way. And 
I just, I think I miss that. And I, you know, there are a lot of really successful people out there that don't quit. They have one thing and they're going after another thing, you know? And you still buy lotto tickets. I do. I do. (laughs) But you don't need to win the lotto. Right. But I always do it and and I always do it like as a group with my assistants. Okay. So it's like- All my assistants say that they will quit their job as soon as we win. And you're going to be the one still working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be abandoned. Tell, the, tell, tell me the story about um, you uh, walking around the block with, and buying a, um, the lotto ticket and the conversation that you had with your assistant. Okay. So we bought the lottery ticket. Who was it? It was my assistant, Jen. Okay. So we, we were doing a client's hair and I put her base on. Oftentimes, if I'm doing a house call, I'll say to them, can I go walk around the block? Because I can't stand wearing my mask. But, you know, I was a, a mask wearer before COVID. So I'm doing a client and I said, okay, can, I, can we just walk around the block? And she's like, yeah, of course. So I, we left and we saw a place where you could buy lottery tickets. And I said, let's go get a lotto ticket. We walked out and I said, what will you do if we win? And she said, well, I'm going to quit my job <laughs> right away. <laughs> and, and she's she said, like 20. She said, yeah. She said, what will you do? And I said, well, I've already won the lottery basically with my career and I'm still working. (laughs) She's like, oh my gosh, that's so true. But I've always said that. I think I I know that's why you're so successful is because the money comes second and the first is your passion. Yes. But like when DMX died the other day, I just went, oh my gosh, he was only 50. And my client... Jamie Tarsus just died at 56 and she was, oh my God, you know, when you just love your clients, I I mean, she was just so amazing and, and she was only 56 and I just, I was like, oh my gosh, you have to enjoy your life. So So are you, are you going to change things about your life to enjoy it more? I don't know. And people keep posting things about like not enjoying your life is bad. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to do. I'm a worker. I don't know when what to do. When do you have time to reflect? Um, as, when I'm getting up at, in the morning. I mean, I'm pretty busy. Right. But do you feel like there's parts of your personality or parts of your life or psyche that you aren't addressing because you're so busy serving other people? Yes, 100%. But that's not a problem for you. It is, Quinn. I've got to figure it out. I've got to figure it out. I've literally been in front of thousands of people and all these hairdressers are asking me, you know, basically, how do I become you? And I, this, you know, we like at the end, they'll ask me questions. And I started saying, look, I want you to find somebody who has it all. I want you to find somebody who is happy and has it all. And isn't addicted to work because I want you to follow their lead and not mine. Mm. You know, like you don't want to be a role model, but you know what? I will say this being a single mom, you have to hustle. You're not, you know, it's not like, um, anybody was ever paying my rent, you know? So I had to hustle. Right. I've always had to hustle, but now you don't. Right. But it still feels like I have to hustle. Uh Uh-huh. You know, you always feel like you're poor, I think. How do you... So you've worked at so many salons over the years, and now you actually are in control of Mesh, which is a beautiful salon. We all know that there can be such um, cattiness or toxic behavior at salons or amongst stylists. How do you make for a good environment? Well, I I would say that Neil, my business partner, has curated a very good group of people. Mm -hmm. He says the only time we slip somebody in that might be a little toxic is is like through one of my assistants. (laughs) (laughs) I work with people. I don't like just throwing people out because of a bad attitude. I like to work with them because I... I think people are important and you have to spend time with them. I don't think it's good to just fire people. I think that it's, it's, it's really good to, to, 
to help them grow as people and realize that they have to get along with people. Now you have to realize, Quinn, when when I'm dealing with an assistant right now, that assistant showed up to games and everybody got an award. Where when I grew up, you had to work your ass off to get an award. Like no one ever gave, you know what I mean? Like you don't get anything unless you've earned it, unless you deserve it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Well, what award are they getting now? Well, when they're my assistant, the award is when they go on the floor, they instantly have clients. Right. They automatically have a client, a clientele. So I feel like our salon, we really all get along so well and really all love each other. Do you have people who you fucking hate? Because I feel like you like everybody. Uh, no, there, I don't think there's anyone. But will you ha, have you ever had a client who you've been like, this is not working? I need, I, it's just you're better off going somewhere else. Yes, absolutely. What would someone have to do to you to get to that point? Because I feel like you have a high threshold for pain. Well, I don't know. I mean, there, there, there just are people. There's just certain personalities that I can't take. Uh huh. Are you getting? Are you better at telling it now, or were you always good at setting those boundaries? Absolutely, and it's yeah, it, absolutely. But I mean, it takes a lot. It takes a lot because I like nice people. Mm-hmm. Are you I a like good cat- judge of character? I like cats and dogs and rainbows <laughs> <laughs> and gays and really nice people. And I'm friends with everyone I was ever friends with, like all my girlfriends I was friends with um, my whole life. I'm still friends with them and talk to them almost every night. So I'm, I'm just like, I like happiness. You've worked at a lot of salons. You brought in a ton of business. Wherever you go is basically, I'm going to say the hot salon in LA or one mm-hmm. of the top three, let's say. Um, have you ever been screwed in, in like, in business from a salon standpoint? Yes. Can you tell me about it? But I'm going to first start off by saying rejection is God's protection. Okay. It was just bad timing. I mean, I had, I thought I was going into a business deal with Byron when I did Byron and Tracy. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, there was a lot going on with him and it wasn't me. And I I just couldn't understand why he didn't want to be business partners after I had put my name on the door and you know, and and I I didn't go through a lawyer because I thought we were friends. It's so stupid. You know, you have to whenever you're doing a business deal, you have to use a lawyer. Right. But I will say this. Now we're we're back together and Byron is working at Mesh and we're so obsessed with him and I'm so I I love him so much. He I consider him one of my closest friends. Well, how do you and, get from almost hiring a lawyer and a falling out like that to where you are now? Do you, do you forgive? Oh, you can't you can't hold on to things. You can't hold on to things. If if you want forgiveness for things, you have to forgive other people. And like, how is it going to help me? Like, if I hold on to anger, how is that going to help me? It only hurts me. But do you need a certain amount of time to hold on to the anger or you let it go right away? I was sad about it for a long time. And then as I was leaving, I was angry. And then all it took for me was just to get in a room with him and realize how much I love him. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Did you need an apology? I don't, I don't know if I did. I, I, I mean, he has, but I, I don't know if I did need that because I, you know what happens here in, in LA and people, people go, you know, you're, you're supposed to go through door A, but you go through door B Mm -hmm. and, and Byron went down door B and he should have gone through door A with me and he didn't. And it's, it's, it's fine. And I don't know. I just love him so much. I'm just happy that he's here with me in my life. And, and we laugh all the time. Yeah. I'm just so you, you think it's possible to rebuild trust with someone who you felt like anyone, not just him, but to, that someone that you felt like crossed you in a certain way that you can rebuild that trust. 
Yes, because he was never a bad person. Okay, tell me about that. The difference between bad people do bad things. Like not wanting to be my business partner didn't really affect me because all I needed to do was just move to a different place and I'm still me. Right. I've never, you know, I never depended on him for my career. Mhm. So it didn't hurt me. Right. It wasn't malicious. Was, no. Right. No, not at all. Not at all. You once said that that um there's just certain color just technically about hair. You once said that you you won't do whatever the client wants, meaning that when Charlize wanted a bleach, like you were like you should go to somebody else. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain that? I, well, I, I just feel like at this point in my life, I don't have to do what I don't want to do. And if I think that potentially all your hair is going to break off because you want a certain hair color, um, I think that it's great for you to go to somebody else. There are people that are just known for bleach and tones and they love doing them. When you were doing that time with Lindsay Lohan, who you had known since she was like practically a kid. So young. Yeah. Was that, do you look back on that as a, as a really kind of crazy hectic time for you? Not for me, but you know, I'd always check in with Lindsay and make sure she was good because um, she's just, she's such a sweet, sweet kid. Uh-huh. It's so funny. I still talk to her and she lives in Dubai now. Do you ever see her when you're there? Uh-huh. Yeah. And the other day I called her and I was like, Lindsay, tell me about these FTSs because she always knows about all of these cool Bitcoin and, um, what is FTS? Oh my gosh. It's art. My son told me about it. It's like electronic art. Mm. And Max is really into it. And he thinks that it's amazing. And um, of course, wants me to do one, but I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm still trying to decide. So I call Lindsay and ask her, what exactly is it? And she said, um, she was telling me that somebody just sold a piece of art. And you don't get to keep the art. You have to Google it once we're off the the, the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's um, going to. Um, a piece of art just sold for $69 million. And a few weekends ago, somebody made an electronic house that you don't live in. And it was, I don't know how much it sold for, but people were bidding for it. And it was up to $500,000. I mean, this just then, sounds crazy. Yeah. And then one guy sold his farts. What? What? Yes. I mean, it's just so random. The Kings of Leon just uh, put out a record in NTF. I don't understand it. I wanted to ask Lily about it, but I forgot. And um, I want to know what Jen Atkins has to say about it because she knows about everything before it becomes something. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to ask her. Um, Okay. That is so funny. I wanted to talk to you about your book coming out. Okay. Um, why did you decide now to do a book? Well, funny enough, I had an idea for a book a while ago, and my client, Ellen Goldsmith Vane, said, Have you ever thought about doing a book? And I said, Well, if I did do a book, I think I would do it about how everybody wants the hair they used to have when they were a kid. It's the first thing in anti-age that people do. And she said, oh my gosh, I love it. So she calls me a month later and said she has a bunch of book publishers coming to her office and I could pitch the book idea. So I did. And they, they thought that I would come with a presentation. And I didn't even know what a presentation was. So... <laughs> Um, I just told them my idea. Right. And they said, well, could you get a presentation to us? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And I'm thinking, I don't even know how to write a paragraph. A year went by. 
And this publisher said, hey, did Tracy Cunningham ever write that proposal? And she calls me and asks me if I did. And I said, of course I didn't. He offered to write it for me. He helped me with it. And I wound up, you know, it was pitched to a bunch of people. And I had several offers. And I went with the one that I thought would be the best for me. You have so many cool photographs in there of your celebrity clients and all of the hairstyles and colors that they've had. I mean, I can only imagine, I know other people, stylists and such who have done books and getting the rights to everything. Was that just an enormous task getting all of those photos? Yes. Well, I asked a lot of my clients for their baby photos so we could put them in with like in a collage to kind of show like how their hair gets a little darker when they're older. And, um, and also it's fun to see what colors they've chosen Mm -hmm. as an adult. Um, and that was fun. And I had a, a photo editor that did all of the releases and, you know, um, and a lawyer that did all of that. Um, why do so many men who dye their hair, why is it so red? When they're dyeing their hair, it's usually because they're dyeing it brown. Mm-hmm. And when they're grabbing like men's color, it's usually just brown and it's a neutral color. So if you're dyeing your hair, if you have, let's say you have like 2000 gray hairs in your hair. That's a lot for someone to see if they have brown hair. Mm-hmm. But the rest of their hair is brown. All you want to do is tackle those gray hairs, but there's no way to separate them, right? Right. So you're putting a neutral, they put neutral in, in at-home hair color because they need a home run. They need it to just cover. And neutral covers gray. When you put color on top of hair, it has ammonia that lifts and it has peroxide that lifts. And you're lifting up all the hair and then you're depositing. So on the gray hairs, when it's lifting, it's it's kind of like softening, breaking the bonds to get ready to accept that color. Okay. Well, when you're when you're doing it on brown hair, on the brown hairs that are right next to that gray hair, you are lifting that hair up to orange and then you're depositing it. Uh-huh. So it's really, really difficult. If you have 30% gray, you add 30% neutral. The rest of it is ash. Mm-hmm. So because to counteract and to try to neutralize the gray. So it's hard. It's Because you hard. need ash or like a green to counteract the orange that's going to be there when you ash lift it. Ash is green or blue. Yeah. 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 See, I I love thinking about color that I know from being a makeup artist in terms of hair, in terms of, you know, nature, paint. I think it's all so interesting. Yeah. Well, sometimes I use a permanent hair color in the front and then in the back I use one with that's ammonia free that just deposits mm. so we don't have that that look. <laughs> Um, it's very, very difficult. And then, you know, so many other reasons why hair doesn't hold or look great. It's because of, um, the minerals in our water. And I have a whole chapter of that in the book as well. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You got to know what water you're working with. One last technical question is when I'm kind of looking at a woman in my makeup chair and coming up with her color story, if you will, I'm looking at her hair color, her eye color and her skin tone. When you're going to do someone's uh, hair color, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the whole woman? I'm looking at the whole package going, if this woman's asking me for this red color, and if you can't change your makeup or go into this character, I'm not saying that the person's an actress, but what I'm saying is, Sometimes if you don't have the right skin tones mm-hmm. or you're not going to look like a natural redhead, um, then we want you to 
I, I want you to be a little more savvy with your makeup or be able to go into um, a makeup counter and go, I need some help putting my whole new look together. And we talk about these things. I love to say that we need a lot of therapy before we change somebody's hair too drastically. Why? Because, because they need to learn how to put the whole look together. And also, um, m- most people, when people ask me for their looks, they don't ask me for some somebody who's completely not them. Uh huh. Most people ask me for people that sort of look like them, have the have the same tones as them. And if if somebody comes into me with roots and they, I haven't seen them in or they haven't had their hair color in five months, and I'm just getting to know them. I'm, I'll say to them, well, you haven't had your hair done in, I'd say like five, six months. Why is that? Because you're asking me for a color that we're basically going to be best friends and you're going to have to come in here every month. And I hate doing that to people. I like to go, all right, this is what you can handle. And, and, you know, we, we go from there and we want to make them look the best that they can be, but I want them to be able to handle the look. I understand. Yeah. They have to be high maintenance if they're going to go red. Right. Like put some blusher on, put a little lipstick on. (laughs) What about the skin tone and the eye color? Is that also inform the type of hue that you're going to choose? Yes and no. I mean, yes and no. It's different. It's what you're dealing with with makeup is completely different. Okay. There's redheads who have pink skin, but there's also redheads who have you know, yellow undertone or olive. And that's confusing for a lot of people. Does that determine the type of, of red hair that you would give them? Yes. And I only like to do natural tone reds. I don't like, I don't like it when somebody wants like a burgundy red, they're like, I want to be a redhead. And I'm like, Ooh, great. You know, I'm so excited. And they show me a picture and it's purple. And I'm like, Oh God, we can't do this. But what about taking someone who's a spring redhead or a fall redhead? I don't even understand those words. Oh, well, I think of a fall redhead like a Juliet Moore, where it, it's got it's almost it looks like autumn, and it's really rich and warm with a lot of brown, right? Yeah, like and an a Irish spring, sugar. yeah, and a spring redhead would be like um, yes, or Nicole Kidman, where it's got it's yeah. almost blonde. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I ask this question to everyone on the show, and um, if you were able to go back in time and visit yourself somewhere. When and where would it be? And what would you say to yourself? Um, oh, gosh. When I have uh, a client that I knew I shouldn't have done, when I already told her no, and she talked me into it, and I did it, and I regretted it. So I should have said no. I would tell myself, girl, don't do it. (laughs) Stick to your guns. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I wanted to play a game with you because you have so many clients who change up their looks. And then some of these people aren't your clients, but they change up their looks. And we all know they look great in all of them or yada, yada, whatever. But I'm going to name someone and you tell me if you think they are their best or you prefer them as a redhead, a blonde or a brunette or whatever hair pertains. Okay. I like this game. Okay. So the first one, Emma Stone, red, blonde or brunette? Red. Lindsay Lohan. Red. Madonna. Blonde. Britney Spears. Blonde. Cher. Brunette. Drew Barrymore. Mm, Blonde. Okay. Um, I my favorite look on her was like with highlights. She yeah, I thought you might say red, but yeah. Um yeah, I I we did the most magical blonde on her. Was that the one that she was like uh for W magazine that Merton Marcus yes. shot? Uh yeah. Yes. It was like Debbie Harry, it was so good. Yes. And then after that we did like an ombre. But that was quite bleached out, wasn't it? Well, underneath that ombre was that bleached blonde hair, we had to recreate that look. Right. 
Like it's one thing if, if y'all can just, you know, highlight the hair and make an ombre. It's a whole other, other game to start off with a completely different color and create that color. Like that's when hair is fun. Yeah. And, it's and one scary thing probably. Like, sure, just doing a few highlights, tipping it out, rooting it, you know. But when you can, when you have the skills to, you know, transform somebody that has a completely different hair color, it's it's so fun and satisfying. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy. Blonde. Mm. Nicole Kidman. Red. Julianne Moore. Red. Chrissy Teigen. Blonde. Blonde? Blonde. <laughs> In between. In between. Uh, I like that. I was like, I think I misheard you. Learned a new word today. Rihanna. Ooh, Rihanna. I love Rihanna. Um, I wrote red, blonde, or brunette. Blonde. Bette Midler. Uh, right now she's silver and looks so fabulous, but if she was going to do anything else, I suppose it would be golden blonde. Okay. Charlize. Blonde. Uh, Beyonce. Another, uh, Brandy, but more on the side of blonde. Okay. Uh, Kim Kardashian. Brunette. Kendall. Brunette. Linda Evangelista. Brunette. Jane Fonda. I love her gray. Oh, yeah. I keep having an argument with my mom. My mom is color sensitive. When you have, she was like a a springtime redhead, you know? And when your hair grays out, does that change your color, your coloring? Like, would a woman have to switch, like, the colors that look good on her in her wardrobe? Or will you always be... Did you see my gray chapter in the book? I did. If your mom is sensitive to hair color, she should just grow it out. She's oh yeah, it. she's like Earth Mother. She's going natural, and it's a stripe and a every you know everything. Oh, it's it's so pretty. I think silver hair is so pretty. It just adds life to you. Like my client Diane Keaton, um, she loves going silver, and you know, she would get a contract and they'd make her go blonde, you know, or not go blonde, but highlight her right. hair. And she, she just loves the, the natural hair. And I, so I decided to do a chapter of, of silver because it's so beautiful. But does it change your coloring from when you were younger? Absolutely. Uh-huh. But it gives you a whole new look. I just absolutely love silver hair. My grandma, who's in her 90s, uh, is a real stunner. And she always colored her hair until just a few years ago. But she really made a a distinction that she didn't go gray. She decided to go silver blonde. Mm, Okay? Silver blonde. Tracy, we have another game here because you're taking to the game. Your hair is taking to the game. Um, I'm going to name a decade and you tell me the best thing about hair color in that decade and the worst thing about hair color in that decade. So what was the best thing about hair color in the 1950s? Um, Marilyn Monroe. And what was the worst thing about hair color in the 1950s? People dying from peroxide. From actual bleach. Oh, yeah. How about 1970s? What was the best thing about hair color? Um, How ashy it was. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) Farrah Fawcett? Oh, my gosh. It was so good. Do you like that ash? It's not right for everybody, though. No. And it's funny because people are always like, I need ash. I need ash. I need ash. And actually... Like, I love it when people are like, um, I want Lily's hair right. and Lily Aldridge's hair color, and I want my hair very ash. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well. They're, yeah. Her hair is golden. Honey. <laughs> it's funny because gold adds life to you, but you should always be ashy at your root. You don't want like a glowing uh, root, but you want, you want matte roots. 
and gold all over. Well, I would say there's a very small population of people who have like pink skin, very cool and like blue eyes or no, not a lot of gold in their coloring. They should be ashy, but it's a small group of people. Yes. And if I were a woman, I'd be one of them. And that's why I'm so sensitive to it. Um, what was the worst thing about hair color in the 70s? Um, the worst thing about hair color... Um, probably that everybody was skinning a perm and their hair was breaking off. That'll happen. What about the eighties? Best thing about the eighties? Best thing about the eighties was the feather. Worst thing about the eighties? Well, that was late seventies also, but I, are we supposed to talk about color? Yeah. I mean, you can talk about whatever you want. There's no rules. I mean, um, I love, I loved feathered hair. Um, Best thing about the 80s, people started maybe experimenting more with their hair in the 80s with like new wave and punk rock. And perms. And perms were still in. What about what was the worst thing about hair in the 80s? And you can't say all of it. Uh... It was just so layered and done. I love a good layer, but not too much. Uh-huh. Like layered and bangs. And um, it was kind of like the feather was leaving. And and it was just so, I don't know. There, It was just too, over, I didn't like the over the ears look. Did not do well with me. Okay. Um, with curly hair. Um, <laughs> what about the 90s? What was the, what was the best thing about hair color in the 90s? Oh, those big, chunky highlights. <laughs> <laughs> also known as the worst thing about hair color in the night. What was the worst? <laughs> and then when you were going to ask me that next question, I was going to say it, it was also the worst thing. That- what, was the, true. what was the best thing about hair color in the 2000s? Um, hair became more soft, mm-hmm. more, more real. We got, we got better technology. What was the uh, worst thing? The worst thing was when we did the ombre. Um, when we did Lily's hair, they started calling it the ombre. And the next thing we had dip dye. Uh-huh. And that was terrible. <laughs> um, what about now? What's the best thing about hair color right now? Um. Pretty much, I feel like everything's been done. So I feel like the world's your oyster. Mm -hmm. Can be whatever you want to be. What's the worst thing about hair color right now? The world's your oyster and you can be whatever you want to be. That's fair. (laughs) Fair enough. Right. Tracy, um, it was so good catching up with you. I wait. I think the worst thing about hair right now is that people, even clients, watch hair color videos and they think they know how to do hair. Okay, yeah. So everyone's an expert. Everyone's an expert. Yeah. Same for makeup. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, totally. Tracy, I thank you for giving me your afternoon and talking with me, and I really will come by and see you next time I'm in LA and it's safe to travel. I would love it. I, w- I would love to have dinner soon. Yeah. Have our, I'd love, I loved our dinners in New York every time I would come to New York. That sounds great, Tracy. Thanks. All right. See you soon. 